What's interesting about this movement is most of these people that have done this are in their 30s. So we're not talking about people that are in their 40s or 50s and retiring maybe 10 to 15 years early. We're talking about folks that would normally work to 65 to 67 that are retiring 30 plus years earlier. Welcome to Getting Money Right, a show dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through education and inspiration so that you can be free to pursue your true life's purpose. We're your hosts, David Thompson and Leo Sabo, and in this episode of Getting Money Right, we're going to talk about fire. Mm. Yes, stop, (laughs) drop, rock and roll. No, wait, not that kind of fire. Uh, We're talking about a new kind of fire, and this topic comes in from a listener. Now, this is cool. It's a getting money right, history being made right here. We've Mm -hmm. answered many questions um, from listeners, either via email or social media, or even just a friend that's asked a question. But this is the first time that we've had a listener call in or send a a voice memo in and say, hey, here's here's my question. And so this comes from Kara in Keller, Texas. And let's listen in to her question. Hey, David and Leo. I'm really curious to know your thoughts on the FIRE movement. Do you feel like it's a realistic and a balanced approach to retirement? Well, this is a great question. In fact, we've got a friend, David Sandu, who we interviewed uh, back in episode 74 about biblically responsible investing. It's a great episode. Go check it out. And he happens to be a bit of an expert on this topic. And he's even uh, started his own website where he dedicates some to this topic. And he shares his thoughts on the issues at davidsdollars.com. And so we thought, let's reach out to David, see what's going on there. Yeah. And what was really interesting is that this timing couldn't be any better because David is actually sponsoring a movie here in the DFW area called Playing With Fire, which is, again, focusing on this community of financially independent, retired early folks. And it's a documentary focused on this movement. So we are going to go to that. Uh, I've actually already bought my tickets. And if you're interested in going to it, we'll put a link in the show notes. The movie documentary will be playing on August 20th at 7.30 at the Cinemark Alliance in Town Center here in the DFW area. So if you're in the area, we'd love for you to join us. Maybe we would have a Getting Money Right community get together and get to see each other face to face and encourage each other. So we'd love to have you come out if that's something that interests you. And hopefully after you hear some of the facts of some of the things that we'll talk about, this fire of movement, you might be interested in, in actually joining us. Yeah. And David shared a few notes with us that we added into the show notes. And so let's just talk a little bit about FIRE. So F I R E financial independence, retire early. That's what it stands for. And this is a culture or maybe a subculture of people who, who have focused all of their financial energy towards being completely independent financially and retiring very early on in life. Mm-hmm. That's the goal here. And so uh, what does it mean? Well, it dedicate, it's dedicated to extreme savings. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, extreme savings and then investing, and investing. Yep. so that over time, the money that you're earning on the investment allows you to live off of the income mm-hmm. so that your savings will stay about the same while you live only on the income from the investment. But in order to do that, you have to save a lot mm-hmm. really fast. It's actually it's interesting because it's not quite as much as most people would think. It's not in the you know two to four to five million dollar range because yeah. their lifestyle is so extreme in some ways that the cost of the life is so low is that they don't need as much saved. So therefore, they can retire earlier because they are not saving as much because they will not need an income that's high since they've learned how to 
live frugally and how to live in this way. Yeah. So if they're living on 70%, let's say they're actually saving 70%. Right. And let's say they earned $100,000 a year, but mm-hmm. they're saving 70%. It means they've learned to live on 30. Yeah. Now, when they get to retirement, they only need 30. Right. And so they're able to retire much earlier than somebody who is uh, maybe making 100000 but they're spending 75000 and so every year they're only putting away 25%, which is a pretty high, you know, savings sure, rate. Sure. But they're used to living on 75, not used to living on 30. So the lower you can cut your lifestyle will mm-hmm. also help impact how fast you can get to retirement. And so that's what this is all about. It's financial independence, it's retiring early, and it's usually very extreme. Mm-hmm. So where did this start, Leo? I mean, I know that could start a few different places, but what, what are some of the places we look at? Well, the movement started with the 1992 best-selling book, Your Money or Your Life by Vicki Robin and Joe Dominguez. It was later uh, republished in 2008, and there was a foreword by a guy named Mr. Money Mustache, which yes. we'll mention in a few <laughs> minutes. Um, but this movement really started with her book, and, and it came to embody a core premise of the book that comparing expenses and time spent at work against hours of your life. So I remember one of the things in the book she talks about is determine how many hours it takes you to actually make your money. So how much are you getting per hour? Most of us know what that is, right? If we have an hourly wage, we know what that is. But what she actually challenges people to think about is that it takes more than the 40 hours a week for you to actually make that money. You have your commute. You have the time that you spend preparing for work. It's the occasional emails you enter at night. Uh, There's so many ways that we get involved in work that's beyond that 40 hours. So she actually says, think about how much it's actually costing you to earn that money. It's more than the 40 hours. In fact, she comes up with almost an equation to say it's about 56 hours per week. Well... Now you take your $35 an hour, whatever you're making, and you divide that by the 56 instead of the 40, yeah. and you realize, I'm not making as much. And so the premise here is that if you're making only this much per hour and you're working so hard to get it, yeah. how can you make that mean more and go further, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's about counting every hour and making sure that you're actually maximizing it. So that's where the movement started, where she thought about this from how much time are we actually spending working, and where is it leading us? Because if we spend 40 to 50 years of working, and the best we can have is a comfortable but meager lifestyle at the end of our life, then it seems like it's so much work for so little return. So that's really where the movement started, but then so many more people came in with different perspectives and even took it way further than she did. Yeah, and in different areas. So if you look at Vicki Robin and Joe Dominguez, uh, a lot of her focus was on dramatically cutting your lifestyle now, learning to figure out exactly how much you earn per hour, mm-hmm. and is there a better way to earn that while still enjoying more of the things you love. Right. And and her focus was geared towards this idea of being able to contribute more to the world. Yes. So if she was working less, what more could she contribute? And that's a very similar to the philosophy that Leo and I have in many ways, right. in that we would say to achieve financial freedom through education and inspiration so you can pursue your true life's purpose. It's right, right in the catchphrase exactly. of the title. And the heart is not necessarily about the financial freedom. It's about the ability to pursue your true life's purpose. Yeah. So Having the means to be yes. able to do the things that you really care about. Yes. So so some people take it from that angle. Some people uh, take just an anti-establishmentarianism <laughs> view of, I'm yeah. going to go completely against the machine, completely against the government, completely against the normal way of doing things, and I'm going to try to live as far off the grid as possible in as low a lifestyle as possible. So you see this from a lot of different angles. There's not one personality that makes up uh, this subculture yeah. of fire, 
But it is interesting to see the different perspectives because it causes you to think differently. Mm -hmm. You may wrestle with something that you've never wrestled with before when you read different perspectives from different people. Yeah. Well, the proponents of the extreme savings lifestyle often begin by remaining for several years in their traditional workforce in order to save up to that 50 to 70 percent in order to really reach their goal, whether it's and usually it seems like it's between a million to a million and a quarter or so because they figure, okay, on about a million and a million five, something like that, if I just take out three to four percent, which is what they do in retirement, then I can live off of that because yeah. again, they've adjusted their lifestyle where they don't need 60, 70, 80,000 a year yeah. or 100,000 a year. Yeah. They can live on 40. So, and the math is pretty simple yeah. there. If you can live on $40,000 mm -hmm. a year, then you multiply that by 25 mm -hmm. and that's $1 million. Now, the reason you do 25 is because if you were to get the percentage of one divided by 25, it's 0 0.04, it's 4%. Right. So you're learning to live on 4% of your income. And if you're living on that 4%, usually there's been some great statistical modeling done in this area on investing. If you're invested in a well-diversified portfolio of stocks and bonds and mutual funds, then you should be able to earn enough where your portfolio will actually not decrease and 95% of the time it will last. So this 4% mm -hmm. withdrawal rate is kind of an industry standard. You'll hear yep. a lot of financial planners talk about it. And so what they're really focused on is, okay, if I know I can live on $40,000 a year, but I can make 100 every year, I can put 60K away. And if right. I can get that 60K up to a million dollars, then boom, yeah. I can retire I'm retired. that moment. Uh, if I make $140,000 a year, I can set $100,000 aside every year. And, and in 10 years, earlier. you just retire earlier. Yes. So the more you make, the faster you get there, the less you spend, the faster you get there. It's all about, it's usually a little bit extreme, uh, but it's all about getting to retirement earlier. Yeah. And it is, I mean, this, this of course depends on the size of your savings and the desires lifestyle. Everybody's going to be a little bit different. But this requires some extreme diligence to moderate expenses and maintain even the, the allocated expenses you have and your retirement after you retire. So it is a very interesting perspective. I, there's many things I like about it and some things that I say, Ooh, you know, that'd be kind of hard to pull yeah, off yeah, in yeah. my household. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you have to consider that this type of lifestyle is way different. And I think that's somewhat the attraction is that it's so different than what we see in yeah. normal it's very you know, culture today. Mm -hmm. Because we are so consumer-driven, so you know we want to have everything that we see, and there's so much uh, to have and to, to enjoy. And they're saying, reject most of that in order to have this freedom yeah. to be able to retire. And if you don't want to work, you don't have to work. But I do find that many of these people have a desire to do something that's, to me, very meaningful and very important. Spending time with their families, being able to homeschool, so many things that a busy, you know, two-income household has to sacrifice and do without. Mm -hmm. And so they're doing this for different purposes and different reasons, but I find a lot of them to have a very deep moral uh, conviction in the yeah. reason they do it, and, I, and I'm drawn to that because I think, hey, they didn't just do this out of a desire to be different. They did it because they looked at their situation and they decided that they needed to do something different that would bring them that fulfillment and that joy and that happiness in life that they're seeking. And I, there's a lot to that. Yeah. There's a lot to that. Yeah. Well, and if you're in an industry where you're earning really good income, but you know that's not what you want to do forever, then it makes sense to maximize your lifestyle to the bare minimum mm -hmm. to take advantage of that great income, 
but then really be able to move on to what you enjoy as soon as possible. Uh, but you don't want to lose out on that really great income the first couple of years because that can really help you get towards your retirement goal. So that's that's the goal. Uh, the FIRE movement, it's marked by extreme frugality, mm-hmm. uh, extreme debt elimination and avoidance. Obviously, you're going to lo- eliminate and avoid any debt. Mm-hmm. Uh, minimalism. Yep. Just dramatic minimalism in your life, um, extreme savings and investing. And so one of the people that I think is one of the most influential in this area is Mr. Money Mustache, who yep. you mentioned earlier, Leo. And Leo, you first introduced me to Mr. Money Mustache probably five years ago, give or take. I remember you mentioning it and I was like, huh, I need to read this blog and see what this is about. Yeah, I came across one of his blogs and uh, it really, it, it intrigued me and I actually even heard a podcast um, where I had to, you know, I had a chance to listen to him actually go into his lifestyle and what he was doing. And some of the things that he did, I was kind of scratching my head. And I thought, man, that's, that's extreme. I don't think I could pull that off. Uh, but it intrigued me enough to start following his blog and listen to some of the content that he was producing. And, and I found it to be interesting and also very helpful in some ways, but also extreme in others. So as we talk about this topic, you know, definitely check out some of these people that are in this space. Mr. Money Mustache is one of them, and I think probably one of the most influential in this space. But it'll give you an opportunity to really look at it and decide, what can I draw from this? In fact, I hope that at the end of the, our uh, podcast, we can share some of the things that we think are most important to draw from this movement that will help you, no matter what you decide and how you decide to move forward. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things that I probably got the most out of was reading an article that he wrote called The Shockingly Simple Math Behind Early Retirement. Mm-hmm. And he goes in and he shows that based on your savings rate, it shows you how much quicker you can retire early, yeah. how long it will be until you retire. Yeah, so how many, years? Uh, how many years it'll be. So if you are saving 5% of your income every year, it's going to take you 66 years to yeah. retire. <laughs> That's sad, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. If you save 20% of your income, then it takes 37 years to wow. retire. Big difference. So yeah, you've immediately cut it down by almost 30 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say you save 50% of your income. It goes down to 17 years before he can retire. Now, he has some specific assumptions in this math, but it was really interesting. It's good to see that visual um, cue there because it shows you, oh, if I just move from 10% of savings per year to 15%, it can shave almost eight years off of how long it takes me to get to retirement. That's a big deal. Do I want to retire at 65 or do I want to retire at uh, 57? You know, putting that together that's a major shift and it really inspires and motivates. Now, the interesting thing about uh, MMM, his name is actual Pete Adney. He was an engineer and um, he's, he's a very extreme personality. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not saying that everybody should read this and, and everybody's going to love it. Sometimes uh, he uses extreme language yeah. uh, that I would not use in a financial article. But the point is that he is taking an extreme view and it causes you to look at the world slightly different. Like, could I actually maybe not go 100% as far as he did, but could I go 50% or 25% and still make a fairly impactful change in my life in one of these areas? Mm -hmm. What's interesting about most of the people that are in this space that are proponents and speaking on this topic are they're bloggers. They've taken this message, um, and created a blog so that they can continue to kind of beat that drum, which is great. Um, what's interesting that many of these folks now make an income by the ads and whatever they're selling on their blogs. So it's it's kind of funny, but interesting that yeah. even though they've had this plan to stop working, 
they are doing something that I think they care about. Obviously, they're passionate about it. So I'm not faulting them for that. I think that's a good thing. And if it's educating people in the area of finances, frugality, I'm all for it. Yeah. Take whatever perspective you have. Everybody has a brain that can decide what to take and what to leave. But ultimately, it's a great thing. But I find it interesting that they found a way to actually supplement their withdrawal from their savings, which they were so extreme to get. Yeah. Um, so they're actually making their journey even better because they have an income while they're also only probably taking out 2% instead of the 4% every year. So it's interesting that a lot of these folks that, that are, are on this path have also is successful being proponents of this message through the blogs and they make an income at it. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah, well, so that's what's interesting about quote unquote retirement anyway, mm -hmm. is that for the most part, nobody should retire and do nothing. Right. Uh, now there's going to be some physical limitations for some people, but uh, once you quote unquote retire, uh, it doesn't mean that you don't work and it doesn't mean that you don't still serve people right. every day in the way that you do something. And so uh, that's what's happening with these guys is they've created a blog, they've created a podcast, they've created a fill in the blank, and they're getting some kind of revenue off of a book they wrote or off of a speaking engagement. And over time, mm -hmm. they're doing what they love and they're making an income. And so they don't have to live on as much of their you know, big nest egg that they've got. And so we see this uh, with several really common bloggers. Uh, you'll see the Mad Fientist. That's F-I, Financial Independence, the Mad Fientist. Uh, Go Curry Cracker, Root of Good, Millennial Revolution. Uh, I like to listen to um, Radical Personal Finance by Joshua Sheets. Yeah. He's not quite on the fire movement, but yeah. it's just the idea of a little bit more radical lifestyle right. Right. to move yourself forward. So um, it's not the traditional retirement. It's this idea that, okay, I'm going to intentionally work really hard in this career, set it to the side, have room to do whatever I want mm -hmm. in the future. And so that's why they call it financially independent. You're not depending on somebody else for an income, but you can still work and get an income where you see fit. Yeah. So it's not to say I'm never going to work again. It's just I'm not going to depend on a specific job or a specific vocation or location. I'm going to be more flexible and get to choose what I want to do, um, which I think is a really interesting concept. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Another trend that you'll see uh, in this community is uh, using credit cards that have huge signups and bonuses and rewards for funneling all purchases through the credit card and then use that in order to afford a low-cost or no-cost vacation and trips. Uh, there's actually a certain blogger called Richmond Savers. Um, it was made popular by writing a post title, Take Your Family to Disney World for Free, a step-by-step -step instruction. I would read that. Take yeah. Your Family to Disneyland for Free. I actually free. have. Interesting. It's, it's really interesting, and it's it's doable. I, I Believe me, it's doable. I have a friend right now that's traveling through Europe with his wife. They left in April. They'll be back next month in August. Uh, and they've traveled everywhere from Greece all the way up to Poland. They're in Poland right now. And he has a blog that keeps going. But he said over the four months they'll be in Europe, he'll only spend actual hotel cost on 15 nights of four months of staying in Europe. Oh, my goodness. And all of it was accomplished through points and using this type of system. So it's, it's definitely possible. I think you have to do a lot of work to get there, and you have to understand it. Uh, but it is possible. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean— yeah, you know, this is where I I understand why they write on this mm -hmm. and why they want to take advantage of the credit <laughs> sure. card companies. It makes complete sense in one regard, mm -hmm. but in another regard, I have a high disdain for yes. using credit cards yes. and for engaging uh, with the banks through the credit card system. I'm not saying I don't have a credit card; I do, yeah. but I 
I would hesitate yeah. to just go for all the extreme rewards points. And so, so it's interesting. It's for, well, we've as talked a personal, about this. Right, we've talked about this. We don't recommend you go get a bunch of rewards cards uh, unless you are managing your money according to a plan yes. and then yes. you're only spending what you've actually planned to spend. Yes. Because this is not a way for you to earn enough to have a free vacation. If you have to spend $20,000 to afford a $4,000 vacation, it doesn't right. add up. Right. So this is a little bit different. What they're, what they're proposing is obviously for using a system, yes. but then really taking all of your expenses and running them through credit cards because that helps you to meet those requirements and get those points. Right. But they're still trying to maintain, and are, to, a, to a degree are successful in maintaining a frugal and very extreme yes. lifestyle. Yes. So they're not proposing you spend a ton of money on credit cards. They're just saying use the credit cards to your advantage. Right. And it's something that you and I have talked about. We, we're not against credit cards. We understand the good, the good and the bad. You know, of credit cards, but it's something you should use wisely. Yeah, it's something and, you should use. And if they, if you do something like this, like they did, you know, they make spreadsheets listing mm -hmm. out all the credit cards, yeah, they spend exactly a ton of what time. the reward is, exactly when they need to pay it, and then when they're going to cut it up or close it or how they're going to manage. Because if you open ten credit cards to get the ten different rewards, then maybe it's two hundred per reward. Well, that's two thousand dollars. That's yeah. great. And so, hey, I have two thousand dollars to go on a trip. But you now got ten credit cards just sitting there that you may or may not need to use, and so just be aware you can you can work the system. I'm not saying you never should, but I have personally leaned towards okay, just be frugal, yeah. save your money, don't get addicted to the credit card, and and if you get a few points as you use a credit card for normal expenses, great, but don't let that become your entire bent financially. But no, it's no, interesting because no. this comes up over and over again yeah. on these type of blogs. Well, part of the reason this is coming up is because these people don't want to give up on life. They don't want to be hermits living in a corner. They want to explore life, and they really want to live differently than most of us live today, which is go to work, come home, pay the bills, watch TV. There's a couple of these people that actually travel. They're nomads. They don't even have a home. They're just traveling all over the world. Yeah, I know of one that I follow, not all the time, but I see from time to time, and they it's a couple that, that literally went to this uh, radical lifestyle and then had three children while they're traveling the world, and, wow. and they're just in different places in the world all the time. So they figured out a way to make that affordable to travel either for free or with little cost. And if that's something that appeals to a few of you, then just understand that it takes a lot of effort and a lot of work to get there. But I think the reason this whole travel thing came in is because some of these people do want to go beyond just staying home and not spending money. They actually want to enjoy their lives. And who doesn't? So do we. Yeah. And they've just been that aggressive not only with their saving and planning for how to retire early, but also how to enjoy retirement by being able to travel. So actually, this uh, Richmond Savers actually got together with another uh, blogger and created Choose FI, a network of Facebook groups and people dedicated to travel hacking. So it kind of you know created this other niche uh, market or whatever you want to call it that allows then people to take advantage of these promotions and things that are out there that allows them to afford vacations at low cost or no cost, which is, again, very interesting, but a lot of work. Yeah. So you've got people that focus in on travel hacking. You've got people that focus in on extremely low lifestyles, not having a car, not living in a, in a normal home, maybe a tiny home. Uh, you've got people who maybe spent 20 or 30 years in a regular industry job, but they really loved investing. Mm -hmm. And now they write about investing. Right. And so they're putting books out on it. And so uh, that's J.L. Collins. Um, he's famous in the subculture for writing a series uh, in 
and it's called just the stock series. Mm -hmm. And he wrote a book called The Simple Path to Wealth and focuses on a very, very simple strategy of investing mm -hmm. uh, where it's called a uh, bogglehead. And his idea is that you'd be like John Bogle, who was the first person to really build up Vanguard and the index funds, and you would only invest in index funds. So it's a bogglehead. I, I'm following John Bogle in that path. And personally, I actually lean this way with a lot of my investing mm -hmm. because the index funds are extremely low cost. And he basically finishes up the book by just saying, invest into a Vanguard low cost total stock market index fund. So one fund yep. that covers the total stock market yep. and just put all your money there and your life is simple. And it's a very simple strategy. I'm not saying it's the best strategy, but it's very simple. And then he just kind of goes in and shows what the history is like in that fund and why you would want to do that and the diversity that it allows you to have. Um, so anyway, you'll see people in this space that focus on extreme frugality, uh, simple investing methods, uh, travel and rewards. Um, all of these different personalities are in the space and it's kind of fun to learn and see what's happening to get other perspectives. But do realize that these extreme lifestyles aren't necessarily going to fit everyone. I think it won't <laughs> fit most people. Actually, Most people are not going to fit in this idea of living on less than $30,000 yeah. a year. Doesn't yeah. mean you can't, but most people won't get quite to that level. Uh, if you're already living a certain lifestyle that you chose, let's say you've chosen to live at $50,000 a year it can be very difficult to shift yourself down to $30,000 oh, a year. Yeah. It involves getting rid of some cars. It involves dramatically lowering your home from maybe a two or three bedroom home to a one bedroom home. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that exactly, but it can, it can shift some things. Sure. So uh, this isn't for everybody. And it's also interesting to look at this and realize that most of the people in this space, not all, but most of the people mm -hmm. have a fairly high income. Yeah. Or they had a really high yeah, income right. when they yeah. started yep. before they quote unquote retired. Um, usually it's a dual income yep. where both people are making at least $70,000 a year. And so they're earning $140,000 a year yeah. and they're able to live on 40, but then dedicate a hundred thousand. Now living on 40, if you're earning $80,000 a year in the U S most people that earn $80,000 a year are spending 82 or $83,000 right. a year. Exactly. So to say live on 40, that sounds extreme. You want me to cut my lifestyle in half? That's crazy. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of cool the way they're able to live on a low lifestyle, but they also have huge incomes in order to be able to get to retirement quicker. Uh, that's not always the case. There are cases where somebody uh, earns 40 and they live on 20, but it's a lot harder to live on half of 40 <laughs> than it is to live on half of 100. 150. <laughs> yeah, 150, <laughs> yes, right? Yes, yeah. no doubt. And, and realize that it is possible. At any level, this is possible. I remember uh, when I was working and my wife was still going to college, we were, I think I was making at the time in probably the mid seventies and we were living on 35. I recall yeah, that yeah. because that's, that's what our budget was set on 35. And then all the additional income went to pay for the college tuition and make additional payments on our home. Now, eventually as our income grew, as she started working, you know, our income went to obviously increased because of, because of her income and my yeah. income grew. And then as, as we looked at that, I actually, I kept reducing. One of the things we talk about, the four rules that we have, yes. you know, spend on purpose, save before you spend, increase your financial margin. Well, we continue to increase our financial margin. So I kind of, that's why this, this message really is attractive to me because I've already tried that. And I'm telling you, it's definitely doable. Yeah. At my lowest, I was able to, to not fully save 52%, but I lived on 48 
Wow. Now, I didn't say 52% because I gave some of that away. That's yeah. the only reason I didn't say 52%. Yeah. But to me, I lived on 48%. And I can prove that. I still have the budget. I can prove it if anybody's interested. Yeah. But my point in that is, yes, when you're making over $100,000, it's easier to live on half than it is when you're living on 40. When I was living on 40, I'm telling you, $20,000 would have been impossible. Yes. And there's no way I could have done it. Yes. Uh, well, I'll say impossible. Um, I would have <laughs> it had to been a lot uncomfortable. Of yes, you would have been living with family or something else along <laughs> yeah, those lines. That's it, true. it takes extremes. Um, it doesn't mean you can't do it. It just takes extremes. Mm-hmm. So the formula of living on fifty percent, it will allow you anybody mm-hmm. to retire in seventeen years. Right. Right. No matter no matter what you earn, if you live on half, you can retire in seventeen years. Yes. You just have to be comfortable living on that same half number for the rest of your life yep. or still working and picking up some side jobs um, and extra gigs once you've quote unquote retired. And right doing things you choose to do instead of having to work for a certain company. Um, But I'll just say overall, having a good education, Mm -hmm. working hard and a really good income is a big part of this equation. Yeah, no doubt. So we can't, yeah, you can't downplay that. Uh, If you want to move towards quote unquote financial independence, you've got to realize that there's two parts to the equation, Mm -hmm. either raising your income up or lowering your lifestyle and your expenses. Uh, And if you already have a high income, that's where this extreme low lifestyle becomes very appealing because it Mm -hmm. allows you to save so much and be able to move towards uh, not depending on a specific job much quicker. What's interesting about this movement is most of these people that have done this are in their 30s. So we're not talking about people that are in their 40s or 50s and retiring maybe 10 to 15 years early. We're talking about folks that would normally work to 65 to 67 that are retiring 30 plus years earlier. Yeah. That's significant. Yeah, that's they why start I think at 23 and they retire at 33. Yeah, that's yeah. why this movement is so, so attractive to, to, especially to millennials and younger people because they're thinking, man, I don't, I don't want to live like my mom and dad. I see where they're at and I don't want to live that lifestyle. I don't want to get to the end and, and just have 40 years of work and, I don't know. I think I think they're looking at life a lot different than maybe we we were, uh, and it's appealing. It's appealing to a lot of people, and again, it's extreme in the, in one sense because it is about saving fifty to seventy percent, and that's hard. I don't care who you are, but if you embrace this type of lifestyle, or at least the notion that this is a good idea, to find how to get rid of your debt, how to minimize your lifestyle, how to get out of the the trap of trying to keep up with everyone else, how to you know not care about what everybody else is spending or driving or living or whatever, and get to the place where you're maximizing your income so that later on when you have still energy and passion and desire, you're free to actually pursue that. Yeah, you're not yeah. just going to work 8 to 10 hours a day saying, oh, I still got to pay the mortgage. I'm 40 years in and I still have a mortgage. These people are very extreme because they have a passion to get to a place where they can either be free to do the things that they really love or actually pursue something that's really worthwhile. And, man, we're all for that. I mean, Mm, that's something that that it's within both of us, David, and I think it's something that we definitely would want you to to look at, not necessarily to go to that extreme unless you feel drawn to that, but to take advantage of this perspective and say, how can I at least learn from this and apply some of these things to my own situation so that I can get there faster? Yeah, our purpose is that you'd be able to pursue your true life's purpose. And so you can do that in a number of ways. One of the ways is to work really hard in a career that you maybe don't love, but you're earning a ton of money and then leave that career early and move into the thing that you love. Another way is to slowly over time 
build up your side business and begin to work on a hobby or a project and turn it into something that will earn you just enough to live on so that full time you can be focused in on what you love to do. Uh, that's a little bit of my story is that I got to uh, serve and volunteer inside of a church for mm-hmm. five years. Yep. I got to absorb and learn so much that after five years of giving my time for free, the church said, hey, we'd really like you to come on staff and serve people. It was a reduced salary, Mm -hmm. but because I had learned to live on less, dramatically less than I was earning, it was easy for me to shift over to a lower salary and live what I would consider retirement. Like Mm -hmm. I'm at the place where (laughs) every day I get to go do something that I love and enjoy and I get to live my true life's purpose. And it didn't take me you know, living on only $20,000 a year for 20 years, you know, it, it was something that shifted slowly over time. Instead, I lowered my lifestyle a decent amount. But then when the right opportunity came, I prepared myself, I educated myself. And when it came, I was able to move into it. So um, it, it, there's a lot of different ways to do this. And we just want you to be aware of that. Yeah, I love that. It's a great example. So before we close this episode, really what we wanted to just focus on is to help you understand that as long as you have a plan, and as long as you're looking at this from the perspective of not just today, this month, this year, but have a long-term horizon, that you can put something in place that works for you, for your family, the lifestyle that you want, but also to achieve the goals and the things that you really want to do. It's not the money that matters here. We've always said that. It's never about the money. It's always about what's behind the money. The real focus and the real purpose why we live is to serve others and to serve our families. And so if I can do something to free myself up to do that more and not have the stress and the anxiety and everything that comes with financial uh, problems, man, I mean, I'm going to do whatever it takes. And I'm going to be disciplined to the degree that I need to be. But I have to make sure that I have balance in that. So let's close with this. We always talk about the four rules and something we want to bring to you, which is to remind you, spend on purpose. Whether you go to extreme or whether you just pull back a little bit. Make sure that you have a plan for how you're going to spend your money so that you're living on purpose. Then save before you spend. Whether you ever get to the point where you're saving 70% or not, that's really not the point. The point is that you're saving and you're saving consistently and you're making progress. And then increase your financial margin as you get those increases. As your value as an employee and as a person grows and you're able to earn more money, or able to save more. Let's say, for instance, you pay off your house. Don't automatically take that mortgage payment and start putting it for another expense that you now do yeah. not have. Yeah. Take that and put it towards savings. Uh, and then last, invest wisely. Be a constant learner. Learn how to invest, whether it's in a simple index fund, as David mentioned, or if it's something a little more complex. Maybe it's investing in a business. Maybe it's starting a business or, or even going into real estate. Whatever it is, learn how to be better in making your money work for you. Yeah. Yeah. And that will open you up, especially if you find a business that you love, you'll get to do what you love every day. And we know that most uh, major wealth is accumulated over time through small businesses that grow. And so learning to serve people well, which is what small business is, Mm -hmm. it's serving people well with a product is the better you are at serving people, the more people you get to serve, the more your finances will increase. And again, the goal is not money for money's sake. (laughs) Don't let your heart get wrapped around money. 
don't let watching this fire movement bring you to a place of discontentment, either pursuing the Joneses and living somebody's lifestyle you can't afford or trying to pursue somebody's lifestyle that's dramatically below yours mm-hmm. where you think, oh, well, maybe I'll be happy if I just match them. Yeah. No, it's not about matching somebody else. It's about you taking control of your finances, you following the four things that we recommend, spend on purpose, save before you spend, increase your financial margin, and then invest wisely, and then focus on being able to truly follow your true life's purpose, what you're put on this earth to do. Uh, And so I think another thing that I would highly recommend you to do is go over to leosabo.com and check out his blog. Uh, There's a bunch of really neat blog posts. One of the most recent ones was from failure to success. Uh, There's another one on how social media affects your spending. All of these things will bring awareness to how you spend, how you move forward. And so check out the blog, uh, check out the podcast and see other podcasts here from Getting Money Right that might be interesting to you. Um, Jump on and read Leo's story. Go over to stewardshippastors.com. Click on the video section. It's under resources. Mm -hmm. And watch some of the videos that we've got on stewardshippastors.com. We've got some great biblical courses on finances, some really neat tools, budgeting, debt reduction. Um, Look for things that will serve you on this journey. We're here to help. Uh, We love getting the opportunity to spend time with you. We would be so grateful if you would go to the share button on this episode, no matter what app you're using, click the share button, text this episode to a friend, somebody that you like, somebody that you trust and say, Hey, um, I really, I just listened to this episode on fire check it out and they won't have any idea you're talking about, but then they'll open it up and hopefully it will be great for them. Um, And if it's not this one, find an episode that you loved and share that episode. That would mean the world to us. If you've not had a chance to go on and rate the podcast, do it on iTunes or on CastBox. Give it a rating. We're still shooting for 150 ratings. We've gotten over 20 in the last couple of weeks. Uh, So we really appreciate that. And all together, we just want to say thank you. We look forward to having you join us next time so that together we we can can keep keep getting getting money money right. Goal is not money for money's sake. (laughs) Don't let your heart get wrapped around money. Don't let watching this fire movement bring you to a place of discontentment, either pursuing the Joneses and living somebody's lifestyle you can't afford or trying to pursue somebody's lifestyle that's dramatically below yours where you think, oh, well, maybe I'll be happy if I just match them. Mm